Welcome to the Grace Church Podcast. Wherever you find yourself today, you belong here. And we hope that this word uplifts and inspires you in your daily life. Here's this week's message. Well, hey, welcome to Grace Church. I'm so glad you're with us today, whether you're online or in person. It's so good to be together, isn't it? I just was refreshed just in that time of worship and uh, just being able to, to come in a place like this and set some things aside that are clouding in our minds and just being able to have clarity and know that God is worthy to be praised. I, I love that song. He is worthy to be praised. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, hey, uh, we are in the middle of a series where we are unpacking uh, one of the most famous passages of Scripture in the Old Testament. It's the 23rd Psalm. And uh, I hope you've been getting some good insights so far. Uh, we have plenty more to come, but uh, I've just been really excited to study this out with you as we're kind of going along and really trying to grasp and understand what does this mean to my life today? It was written thousands of years ago, but what does it mean to my life today? Now, I said in week one that I believe that this psalm is something that we can grab a hold of to our lives, that we can experience a, a peace that surpasses all understanding when we bring the Lord into our lives and make him the shepherd of our lives, to lead our lives, to give us direction, to give us guidance, to give us care, because that's what God wants to be in our lives. He wants to be our shepherd. He wants to be our shepherd. And I said to, in order for us to experience this uh, outer stability, which everybody wants, we all want this outer stability in our lives, but it comes from an inner tranquility. In order to have that type of peace, that peace that I said surpasses all understanding, we have to allow the Lord to work on the things inside of us. That it's his power and his presence in us that can give us that stability that we long for, that, that peace that no matter what happens in the world, we can hold on to and be anchored into knowing that we're going to be okay, that we're going to make it through because we have a good shepherd that's leading us through this life. And we need that more in this world. Christians need to show that in this world, that we have a shepherd that we're following. You know, in the book of Philippians, Paul is reiterating this to the, to the band of believers that are holding strong into the world that was persecuting them, a world that was fierce against them and against the gospel message, but he was telling them that they need to hold on to this eternal truth. And this is the way he says it, that we don't have to be worried or anxious about anything, but in everything we need to pray. I love that. He says that. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Here's the key. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. That we need to be in a habit of, of, of bringing things before God, but also remembering the faithfulness of God in our lives. He says, then and only then you will experience the peace of God, the peace that comes from heaven. A peace that no one could steal from you, no one could take away. A peace that will not be shaken. He says there's a peace from God that will come into your life. And what does he say about it? He says that it will exceed what? Anything we can understand. That's the kind of peace that God will bring to a believer's life when they allow him to be their shepherd, be led by him. He says, and that peace is powerful enough that it will guard our hearts and our mind as we live the life that Jesus called us to live, as we follow after Jesus that we could experience this peace. And I think that's the essence of this Old Testament passage is that God could be that shepherd, that we could put our, our trust in him fully. The weight of our lives could fully be on the shoulders of our Lord because he is the one that is leading us in this life. And that's why this psalm, when David, he knows the Lord like we know the Lord. And he says, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, Yahweh, the great I am, the creator of all things. He says, he is my shepherd. 
Everything he says after that is describing what it's like and what his experiences have been as he follows after the Lord. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. He, says, he said this, he says, I shall not want. Now last week we talked about you know, how the Lord will lead us to a place of rest. And oh, we need rest for our souls, don't we? Our souls are restless, aren't they? The things of the world can cause there to be worry and anxious thoughts, but he says that the Lord will bring us to a place of rest, that we can rely on him for that rest. So that he makes me lie down green pastures, he leads me to still waters. Today we're going to unpack verse 3 where he says, he restores my soul. That should put a smile on some of your guys' faces, right? I know I could, I, I, I could tell you're smiling under these masks. He restores my soul. Hmm. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your holy word. I pray, God, that as we are unpacking a passage of scripture that's familiar to many of us, I pray that today we get a fresh revelation of you through this. We know that your word is living and active, Lord, so I pray that your word will come through in such a real way for us today. We love you. We thank you for your holy word. In Jesus' name, are we said? Amen. 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 Well, hey, I want to ask you, have you ever um, received a call on your cell phone? And the caller ID shows you who that is, right? And we, some of us have these fancy phones that have pictures on there, and there's this, there's this choice that you have to make in that moment. Do you either accept or decline? <laughs> you're laughing, right? Because you, you know that moment, right, where you're like, do I take this call? You know, some of you hesitate. Why? Because maybe you know that that call is going to take longer than what you have time for. Maybe it's somebody who you're like, oh, I'm not ready to talk to them just yet. Maybe you know that that person is going to ask you for something that you're not able to do. Maybe you're just trying to avoid a conversation. I don't know what your reasons are, but we all have this choice on whether we accept or decline. And oftentimes, maybe it, we, we just, it's so easy to just push the button, right? And it goes straight to voicemail, and we, and we, just, we just let it go. And, and I think here's the thing is I think sometimes we think of God that way. I think sometimes that we think when we come to God that he has this like heavenly uh, caller ID that when we call upon God that he's seeing us and he's saying, he's thinking, is he either going to accept or decline? Accept or decline. Some like this, like, like if Omar's calling, right? <laughs> Some of you see this probably, right? And you're like, I don't know if I want to pick up this one. But sometimes we think about that. Sometimes in our minds we think that when we call on God, you know, he's either going to accept or decline, and we measure it based on our behavior. We base it on what we have done, and, and, and we're thinking, is he more inclined to accept this call from me or this prayer or decline it? And we think when we pray, we don't have the faith to come to our, 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 our Father God, our good shepherd, but we, we're, we're measuring like, whoa, is he going to take this call? Is he excited to hear my call, or, or is he going to be disappointed in my call? You know, often we struggle with this, not even realizing that that is the way we approach God. That that's, 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 that's interfering in our relationship with God. You know, maybe if I think, man, when, God, when I call on God, I just feel like he's, he's just not, not as available to me because of what I've done. Or maybe on the other side, you're just like, man... I'm killing it lately. 
You know, I've been doing my Bible in the year plan. I haven't missed a day. I'm checking all those boxes. If heaven had a refrigerator, man, my Bible plan would be on that refrigerator. You know, I'm doing good. I'm listening to worship music. I haven't yelled at anybody. When somebody, you know, uh, cut me off, you know, I didn't give them the one finger wave. You know, instead, I just said, bless you. I prayed for them. I mean, I'm doing good. So when I call on God, man, I could ask for anything. Like, I, I just feel it. A lot of times we feel like, based on our day, how good we've been, how things that we have been doing in our, in our behavior, that that measures on how God would receive us when we call on him. Here's what happens is sometimes we view God as like this Santa Claus, right? He's got this list, who's naughty and who's nice. And if you're on the naughty side, you know, then maybe he's just not inclined to, to receive you at the time, to hit decline when you call if you're really good, then man, he, you're on speed dial. One of his favorites lists. What I want to ask you this morning is, what does God think of us on our bad days? What does God think of us when we're not at our best? You know, is he still a good shepherd when the sheep are bad? <laughs> Talking to you today, and I think there might be some of us that might feel challenged in this and and some of you might feel like, well, you know, I, I think I'm doing pretty good. I think I'm hitting it out of the park. But I want to challenge you this morning and say, will you dig, dig deeper inside? Because I'm not always just talking about external things and, and external behaviors that are separating you from God, but I'm talking about internal attitudes. Things that are easier to cover up. Maybe on the outside, leagues are, seem like we're doing good because we're doing all the right things, but then deep inside, we're harboring unforgiveness. We're harboring things that we know are pushing us away slowly and little by little. So I want us all to, to, to receive this message today to say, what happens in those days? What happens in our walk with the Lord when we feel like we're not at our best? Is he still the good shepherd? Is, is, is he still trying to, to lead our life and care for us? What does God think about us when, when times where we may stray a bit or, or we may jump in and, and be back into some of the old habits that we thought that we've overcame and we've conquered and yet we make the choice to pick those things back up and we're struggling with that. We don't want anybody to know and we're working through that and yet God sees it all and it's like, what does he think then? You know, the cool thing about this passage of scripture and, and who wrote it was that if you know anything about the life of David, you know that this guy understood that struggle. If you know anything about David, you know that he's had some high highs and he's had some low lows. That he was a man who was acquainted with what we're talking about, this struggle of wanting to serve God, but having moments in life that you're not so proud of, that you're ashamed of, that, 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 that have made you fall or fail. And what do you do then? I mean, let's look at his life. Young David was sent to the battlefield as a teenager, and he was going out there to bring supplies to his brothers. And as he was there, he heard that there was this, the enemy of God's people, and he was this giant, this nine-foot giant, and he was taunting God's people, and he couldn't handle it. And there was this righteous anger in him that says, how dare he? Who does he think he is? And this young boy went out there to fight and face this giant with nothing more than a rock and a sling. A lot of you guys know this story, right? And with one strike, that giant gets knocked down. And the Bible says, this is what I love, this is so cool, David, this young teenage boy, he knocks down this giant, he runs and he gets right in front of him and he takes that giant sword and he chops his head off. I think that's a cool thing, I don't know. <laughs> right? Just, ah. Uh. 
What a high, right? What a spiritual victory. He brought victory into God's camp that day, God's people's camp that day. That was, you can call it a spiritual mountaintop for him. When no one had faith, that guy had faith. And he, God, he was able to use his heart, this him, to do something extraordinary. Think about those spiritual moments in your life, those high moments in your life. The battles that you won, the giants that you slayed through the power of God. Some of you know this story so well. Slayed the giant of addiction, the giant of depression, the giant of unforgiveness in your life. And that through the power of God, he was able to help you overcome that thing. And you've overcame it. And you just feel like, wow, God used me and God did this through me. And that's just, that's just a, a mountaintop experience, isn't it? You walk out of there going, yes. We also know in the life of David that this was the same guy who got complacent in his faith. This is after that giant slain moment. After many miracles and many things and words that God gave him and things he got to do for God. But there was a time in his life later on in life where he got complacent with his faith. Instead of going to war and fighting the battles that God called him to fight, he decided to hang back and relax. And it says that in that season of his life, he was hanging out on a rooftop, and he saw this woman bathing, and he started to lust after her, started to then pursue her. What we know that happens is that he ends up bringing her into his chamber, he ends up having sex with her, gets her pregnant, and in order to cover up the whole mess, he tries to manipulate her husband to think that that baby's his. Yes, she's a married woman. And so in order for him to cover all this mess up, he ends up ordering this man to go out to the battlefields to be in a very vulnerable position so that he would be certain to be killed in battle. This is the man, the same man that the Bible describes as a man after God's own heart is the same man who committed adultery and murder. It's this man, the man who wrote these words, the man who wrote this psalm that we're unpacking, because this was a man who knew the lows of lows and the highest of heights. Yet this was the man, after going through all that he's gone through in his life, going through all this experience, he's the same man as able to write this next verse when he wrote this down, and he says, that God, that Yahweh, my shepherd, he got me through the lows and through the highs and through it all, he says that he restores my soul. He restores my soul. I don't know what that means to you. That means so much to me. He restores my soul. He didn't say he restores my lifestyle. He didn't say he brought everything back into my life, like the monetary things that I enjoyed before, and he brought them back. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say he restored my reputation, what other people thought about me. No, he says he restored my soul. Something way more valuable than all the things that I mentioned. He said he restored my soul. You know, in the Hebrew word, this is, this, this is the word nefesh, means everything that I am, the inside of me. It's more than, um, than just this, your mind, it's, it's your will and it's your character. And he says that that God, Yahweh, was able to take those things and he was able to bring it back to the way it should be, how I think, what I do, and who I am. He says he restores my soul. Not only that, but he says, he leads me into the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Man, I'm so thankful that, that God, through his word, gives us the good, the bad, and the ugly side of our Bible heroes. 
And we could just see what they had gone through so that we can learn from those lessons and learn how God can get us through, how we could follow God even when life gets messy, even when life gets complicated, even when we don't live up to the things that we said we would do. How does God respond to us then? That's what I love about God. It's what I love about Scripture. I love about what he reveals in it. Now, is there correction involved? Is there consequences? I sure hope so. I mean, that's a good, loving father that would allow us to work through those things so that we can correct the things that we don't get easily ensnared with. So I love that about God, that he does correct his own. He does bring us into places where we have to suffer a bit for some of the things we've done so we can work through it, but our hearts, our soul will be restored. Isn't that good news, friends, that he promises that he would restore our soul? So the big question that we need to address is, does does God still love me and accept me when I fail or when I fall? When I'm not at my best, does he still want relationship with me? Some of us are struggling with that right now. Some of us, this is the reason why we're not going after it the way we used to. It's because we keep thinking about that. We keep getting haunted by those things. We say that are pulling us away, the things, the miss-up moments, the, the failing moments, the, when we're not of our best moments. Now, I know there's a lot of mature Christians here today, and you might easily think, well, this stuff might not apply to me. I already understand this stuff, but just to let me make it clear today, I'm not talking about just sinful behavior, but I'm talking about those sinful attitudes again. Those religious spirits of pride that sometimes get in the way. I want to challenge you this morning, not just to receive what I'm saying as head knowledge, but with transformation, with heart knowledge, an experience that you experience. And I know that many of you, I've heard your stories. I've, see, I've heard what God has done in your life and how he has restored your soul, but you're afraid for other people to know about that. Because if they knew that, they would judge you. You think they would judge you. But let me tell you, your story will set other people free. Right? They look at you now and they're like, wow, I can't imagine. But you got to share the story of what God did. And you have to be just as confident as David to say, he restored my soul. This is what once happened. This is who I am today because of Jesus. More people need to hear that story. People around you need to hear that, there's, that the God still can redeem and restore. There's still life. So he restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness. Even when I drift, even when I stray away from what I know I should be doing. It says that he will work through his Holy Spirit to keep me on that path. Not because of how great I am on my good days, but because of how great his mercy is. Remember that. And it says he does it. Why? He does it for his namesake, for his purposes and his reasons. Maybe today you're just feeling like you're not where you used to be. You're far from it today. Maybe you're watching online and you just scrolled through and you're checking a a service out today and you're just like, man, I don't know if God would receive me and accept me. I don't know if he likes me because I'm just far from what I think a Christian should look like. I want to tell you that the shepherd is after you. The shepherd is pursuing you. The shepherd is talking to you and pursuing you relentlessly to show you that he hasn't given up on you. This morning, I want to share four things that a good shepherd does when we're not at our best. And let me tell you, friends, we're not always going to hit a thousand, right? We're going to have moments of times where we pull back or we stray or we fall and we we fail and we mess up. That's part of life, right? But what do we do then? How do we reproach God? What is God trying to do in our lives through those moments? Well, number one is our shepherd continues to pursue us. You got to remember, our shepherd is good and he is able to 
to pursue us no matter where life leads us. That's good news. That's something we need to share more often. Our shepherd continues to pursue us. You know, when I was a kid, uh, I grew up with my grandmother, and one of the, my grandma's favorite things on Saturday mornings is she would drag me to a, a thrift store, a secondhand store, um, and she would spend hours combing through all the stuff there, you know, and, and even though she's seen it before, she would still go through it. Well, one year, she heard about this, um, this one that was in another city, and it was this ginormous mega thrift store, so she was excited. She dragged me out there, and I remember going out there. I was around six years old at the time. And so we get there, and as a six-year-old, three minutes in, I was already bored. I was already <laughs> distracted. And so my grandma's going through all the stuff like she normally does, and, and she's just going, and I get distracted. I get bored. So I start combing through the aisles and going through stuff and, and uh, opening things up, and, and I just get distracted. Start going from one aisle to the next aisle to the next aisle to the next aisle. And about 20, 30 minutes later, I realize, man, uh, I turn around, I'm like, oh, I'm in a whole different place part of the store. I don't, I turn around, I don't see my grandma. And I panicked like a six-year-old would, right? And I remember, I remember in that moment, you know, I was thinking the worst. I'm like, I'm going to get kidnapped, you know? Uh, (laughs) You know, I I lost my grandma forever. I mean, I'm just, I'm like, tears are welling up in my eyes. I feel totally lost. There's all these strangers around. I'm in a weird place. And those stores smell really weird. So that made it worse. And, you know, I was just panicked. And I screamed, and I called out my grandma. I was like, Grandma, Grandma, and I'm screaming. I'm freaking out. I'm panicking. And all of a sudden, as soon as I called out my grandma, I hear this little voice behind me, and she says, Mijo, I'm here. I'm right behind you. See, she knew I was wandering before I knew I was lost. She kept her eyes on me and stayed near me, even though she knew I was being distracted. That's what a good parent does, right? Uh, that's what our good father does. And I remember everything changed when I turned and I saw her again. Everything changed because when I saw her and she saw me, then suddenly I realized that I wasn't lost anymore. I think that's what the good shepherd does. See, here's the thing about life is that we can drift. We can get pulled. We can get distracted. We can wander. That's part of the sinful nature that we battle with. And it can pull us from the path. But the prophet Isaiah, when he talks about humanity's need for Christ, he says this in in Isaiah 53, 6, he says, all of us, all of us, every one of us, like sheep have strayed away, we have left God's path to follow our own. Isn't that the struggle? We want to do it our way. This is yet the Lord laid on him, Jesus Christ, the sins of us all, that it's that separation that he filled in the gap for us so that we can have this relationship, we can be connected. You know, there's something uh, interesting about, about just the animal kingdom. There are some birds that can fly from Canada all the way down to South America and find their way back to Canada every year. It's amazing, right? There's sharks that can swim the ocean waters and they can go back to this one spot so they can give birth. It, it, it's pretty amazing to me. God could compare us to any animal in his kingdom, yet he compares us to sheep. I think it's interesting <laughs> For many reasons, but one of the reasons is that sheep have a horrible sense of direction. I don't know if you knew that. If a sheep wanders off away, they don't find their way back on their own. That's why when shepherds are, are leading their sheep and leading their flocks, they have to pick these narrow ways so that they can keep them on track, keep them focused. Last week I told you that when a sheep wanders away, it's because a sheep is thirsty. 
And when a sheep wanders off, it's usually in these small increments. It's, 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 it's these small little things. When they start to distance themselves from the flock and from the shepherd, it's little by little. It's nibble by nibble. Isn't that how we wander as well? It's not always overnight, drastic change. It's, it's little things. It's little compromises here and bad decisions there. and Just little things that we just get lazy on and complacent with, and we just kind of slowly start lack, lacking the things that we know that are right, that we should hold on to, but we just kind of get lax with them little by little, nibble by nibble, and sooner or later we feel like our relationship with God is distant. He feels far because we wandered. And I want to tell you this morning, the good news is that our shepherd doesn't just sit there and let us wander, but he pursues. He watches. This is how Jesus described it in Luke 15. He says, when he told them this parable, he says, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lose one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost one until he finds it? And then he says, eventually he finds it, right? And then he yells at it and he kicks it and he spanks it. No, <laughs> no. Not at all. It says that he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. He restores it back into the flock. Now you might wonder, how can God have joy when we wander or when we veer off and we mess up? He doesn't have joy in that, but he has joy when we turn to him in the middle of that, right? He doesn't, he doesn't, I mean, yeah, like I said, there's some correction, there's some consequences, but he restores our soul and that delights him to know that there's a restoration happens. It says that he goes home and he calls his friends and his neighbors together and he says, rejoice with me for I have found my lost sheep. You know, oftentimes it's referred to as the moment of salvation and I, I believe that that is part of it, but I also believe that, that this is what I've experienced in my life. I don't know about you, but I've had times where I've messed up, where I fell, where I strayed off, where I drifted, where I wasn't really on that path that I was supposed to be on and God continued to restore me and bring me back as a good shepherd does. He continued to pursue, and that's what I think David's saying, is the saying, he restored my soul. Here's the thing about the Christian walk, friends. There's no plateau, right? Some of us think that we could just coast, and you can't coast in your Christian walk. Here's the thing, you're either going forward or you're going backwards. You know, you're either moving, but if you stop moving, then you start sliding back because that's just the way the pressure of the world is and the culture and the drift, right? And it, it will move us. If we're not pursuing, we're not moving forward, we're drifting, we're pulling back. I'm old school. Back in the day, they used to call that backsliding, right? Backsliding is not that turning away from God. It's just when you stop making an effort to grow in God. I call that the drift. It's a better way to say it today. People more understand that now. You're drifting Drifting happens with small decisions you make over time that pull you away from the path that Jesus is leading you into. Are you drifting? Some of us are drifting. But the good news is that the good shepherd sees the drift and he pursues you through his Holy Spirit, doesn't he? You feel that call? You feel that moment, the conviction? The moment that wakes up inside of you and says, come on, come back. Stay close. He calls us back to himself. He reminds us to keep our sights on him and leads us back to the, plight, the, the path of righteousness, he says. So the good shepherd pursues, and the good shepherd restores. He wants us to be strong, doesn't he? He wants to grow us up. Those of you who know what it's like to have your soul restored, and you understand this, you understand what it's like, you understand that moment when you feel that he restored you back. It's kind of like you get flipped back right side up, right? 
You feel like you've been flipped upside down, but now when he restores you, you're bright side up. See, there's this term in uh, when a sheep is flipped upside down, it's called a, a casting the sheep, right? It's, it's, it's when a sheep is casted. There's a picture right here. It's kind of silly, right? It's not dead. It's, it's not dead. It's just flipped upside down, and sheep are kind of weird. The way their bodies are shaped, when they're flipped upside down, they can't get themselves back right side up on their own. It's kind of like a turtle, right? They're just waving there, right? It's just the way it is. And so what happens sometimes is the sheep will wander off, and a shepherd knows that if it finds itself in a place that's unfamiliar, and they stumble, and they fall, and they flip themselves over, they're not able to get themselves back up. And what does that do? That leaves them vulnerable for the predator to come, a lion to come, to pounce on them. You know, this happens more often to pregnant sheep, and I just feel like there's just maybe some of you guys that the enemy is, is, is trying to pull you away from the path. He's trying to work hard on getting you off sight of, of the shepherd and wander off little by little, nibble by nibble, and the drift becomes a wander, and you're away from that, and all of a sudden you find yourself over, way in over your head, and you don't know how to get yourself back, and the enemy's there. The enemy's there. But here's the difference between you and a sheep. <laughs> you can do something about it. You have the choice. You have the choice that when you recognize that, you can call upon a shepherd and he will come. He will rescue you. He will come and he will restore you. He will recognize you when you call on him, but you need to call out. And he promises that he will take you, he will restore you. So we know that he pursues us, he restores us, and number three, he leads us. Why? Because he has something better for us. He has something better for us, way better than the thing that you were trying to pursue, way better than the thing that was distracting you. He has something good for you. It says that he leads us to the path of righteousness. In other words, that is the, the, the right places. How many of you want to go to the right places? In order for you to go there, you got to trust his leading. And you have to understand how he leads. How does God lead his sheep? It was very clear throughout Scripture. I told you last week that he doesn't lead like cattle drivers lead their cattle, Right? He doesn't yell at them and spank them and prod them forward from the behind. No, he leads them from the front. He leads them with his voice. That's why Jesus says in John 10, 4, he says, when he had brought out his own, he goes ahead of them. The good shepherd goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. What we need to do is we need to get really good at learning the voice of God. How do we do that? You might say, how do I do that? Well, we hear his voice through scripture and we hear his voice in prayer. The best way to learn God's voice is when you don't need direction. Here's what I mean by that. It will be really hard to hear his voice in chaos if you haven't learned what it sounds like in the calm. We are limiting our hearing capability if we only tune in to the times where we have to make a significant decision or the times where it feels like the world is crashing on us or the times where we are facing a major temptation in front of us. <laughs> but if we take time to learn his voice in the calm, then we'll be in tune to hearing his voice when he is calling us and leading us out of danger, right? It's amazing how my kids know my voice because they're with me all the time. 
You know, they, they, they kind of make fun of me about my laugh, you know. They know my laugh. They mimic my laugh. <laughs> they do it really well because they know my voice. They know what I sound like. And they can be in a room full of guys, and yet they pick dad's voice. They know what I'm saying. They know what I'm calling. See, when we listen to his voice through daily reading of Scripture, when we listen to his voice through times of worship and prayer, when we listen to his voice when somebody is preaching the word, on Sunday mornings. When we do that, what we're doing is that we're training our spiritual ears and we're growing in discernment in our heart of what the voice of God sounds like. And if you learn to listen to his voice on our good days, then you will be in tune (laughs) on those days that are not so good. That's why David, when he was able to write this in Psalms 119, he says this, he says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? Come on, there's some young people that are wondering, how do I stay pure in this day? He says, by living according to your word, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray away from your commands. He says, I hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Some of us need to learn that discipline to put God's word in our heart so that the Holy Spirit has something to work with. And the Bible tells us that he'll bring it back to our remembrance when we need it. We need to bring those deposits in. We need to have being accustomed of bringing it in into the calm so that we can hear his voice in the chaos. So the good shepherd, he pursues us, he restores us, he leads us, and the last thing is that he includes us. Not only does he have something bigger, or, yeah, bigger, but he has something better. He has something better for us to be part of. It's his delight to bring us into something bigger. See, a sheep can only do so much, but when it's a flock, right, it brings so much more value. Jesus has, has brought you to his flock, his his flock is amazing, right? His flock, his church is amazing and it's powerful. And he's entrusted it with the wonderful gospel message. When he brings you in, when he brings the lost sheep in, he includes us and makes us part of something bigger and better. See, a lot of times we try to live on our own. We try to live for a name for ourselves. We try to build our lives to make ourselves known, to make us feel important. But, but see, here's what he does. He brings us to something bigger and better than that. Brings us part of something that he's doing on this earth, something miraculous, something glorious. We get to be part of that. He includes us in that. And one of the greatest things that he gives us is his name, isn't it? We get to bear his name. How many know there is some power and authority in the name of Jesus? And he gives us that. And when we know that we bear his name, it means that we are his that we belong with him, we identify with him, and that we're included into something bigger, and that's his family. We get to be part of his church. We get to be part of the greatest mission ever given. Your job and my job is to bear his name. That's what I think that that verse says. It says is that what he's doing as he restores us, as he leads us, we bear his name. It's for his name's sake, for his glory. I want to tell you this morning, You're not just a contractor at work. No, you bear his name. You're not just a teacher at the school. No, you bear his name. You're not just a mom or a dad. No, you bear his name. And that matters. That means something. You're not just a person that comes to Grace Church, but you bear his name. You get to be part of that. And like I said, there's an authority. There's, There's something behind that, that as you bear his name, there is something behind you. There's a power that he gives you. But there are sheep out in the world that don't know the shepherd that he's pursuing. 
that may found themselves through life upside down and can't get right side up. They're lost, they're wandering. And yet God's heart, we get to be part of something where he's out there, he's, rescu- he's trying to rescue, he's trying to pursue, and he's wanting to use his name, his people, to go out and to reach them. Because we know that there is someone out there, there is an enemy circling around like a lion, seeking who he can devour. And yet you bear his name. You have that authority to go out and be partners with him on what he's doing. You know, Jesus in his ministry, he came into a town and he was preaching the gospel. And he was healing the sick. He was doing a lot in that region. It says in Matthew 9, it says that he looked into the crowd. Verse 36, he looked in the crowd and he had compassion on them. That word compassion means that he felt it in his gut. He felt it in his soul. He felt it in the inside. And he was grieving and he was sorrowful. He had pity on them. Why? He says, because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, he looked to his followers He's looking to his disciples today, and I believe he's saying the same thing. He's looking to us, and he's saying this. He says, he says, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into that field. Do you know that you and I are answers to that prayer? We, sh- we should see ourselves as the answer to that prayer, that it is up to us, that, it, that he given us that duty, that authority to go out. Didn't he say that? He says, go out and tell them what you know. You and I are the answer to that prayer. He's sending us out to those who are like sheep without a shepherd. We know our shepherd, don't we? If you're here with us, you can go ahead and stand to your feet. If you're watching online, thank you for tuning in. We're going to take a moment to reflect and pray. So where am I at in all this? I described several scenarios, several places of maybe where maybe our relationship with the shepherd is. And I want, to, I want you to address whatever resonated with you. Maybe you feel like you're, you're one who feels like you've drifted Maybe you're one that feels like you're cast, you're upside down, and you want to just get right side up again. Will you call on your shepherd right now? I'm going to ask you to go ahead and just pray. You know, just pray right now. He knows your heart. He knows what you're going through. He knows right where you're at. If you're watching right now and you're saying, man, I just feel so far from God, let me tell you, he's pursuing you. He's right there. Just like my grandma was right behind me. As soon as I called out, she says, don't worry, I'm right here. He's here. He's with you. He's calling you. He's He's pursuing you. You need to trust that, and he will restore you. Now, for the rest of us, where are we? Are we carrying his name? Are we going out? Are we telling people about the shepherd, the great shepherd? Are we like David that can say that Yahweh is my shepherd? Do you have a story to tell? Do you have a testimony that can talk about the restoration work of the Lord in your life? Who is that, who is that person that you know You've heard their stories, you've heard their comments, you've read their posts, you know their life, and you're like, man, they're like a sheep without a shepherd. They need Jesus. Can you take a moment and pray? This is the most powerful thing we can do right now is pray for that person right now. Say their name, call them out, say, Lord Jesus, be with this person. Help me to be able to speak to them about what you've done in my life this week. Can we be that bold this week? Father, Lord, I just lift up our people today, God. I know that there's many thoughts going on right now, Lord God, but Lord, you're going to settle those thoughts and bring clarity to the direction that they need to move into. God, I pray, God, that you would just receive all of our hearts today, God. 
Lord, we know that you are the God who restores, that there's no one outside of that work. Lord, you could restore anyone, anywhere. And Lord, we just pray and lift up our loved one right now that's on our heart, the person that we know that, Lord, needs to hear the good news, needs to hear what you've done, Lord. And we just lift, lift them up to you. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to give us the words to say. God, I pray for the rest of us that we would be in the daily discipline of being in tune to your voice, that we would want to have that hunger to desire to have more clarity in hearing who you are and what you want to say to us. We love you. We thank you for your holy word. We thank you for this moment of reminding God that you are the God who restores. You're the God who leads. You're the God who pursues. We love you, God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, are we said? Amen, amen.